0: The heartbeat of any great organization is its people. Welcome to our Optum California podcast. We'll share stories of team member triumph, resiliency, hard work, and inspiration. There may even be a few secrets revealed. Thanks for stopping by. And now sit back and enjoy the Inside Beat. Hey
1: everybody, and welcome back. Welcome to the Inside Beat. This is episode six. We have a very special guest today, Dr. Annel Ruth Vanugapal. Dr. Vanugapal, thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Such a pleasure to be speaking with you right now at the peak of flu season. But I want to jump in and, and talk a little bit about you. I know that you are a hospitalist with healthcare partners with expertise in vaccines and infectious diseases. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Sure. So I've been with Healthcare Partners for about five years now, and I am working as a hospitalist, but I'm board certified in internal medicine and infectious disease. I'm currently working as the associate lead hospitalist for the San Fernando Valley, and I'm also chair of the Vaccine Advisory Committee in California.
1: Wow, that's a big job, especially right now during a cold and flu season. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But let's talk a bit about your role with Healthcare Partners. I know that you've been with Healthcare Partners for about five years. And you have a clinical role as a hospitalist. What is a hospitalist at Healthcare Partners? What does that entail? And what duties are included?
2: So a hospitalist is a physician that takes care of patients once they're admitted to the hospital. Generally, they oversee the care of the patients and work with the various specialists that are required to see the patient for their medical issues. So they coordinate the inpatient and outpatient needs of the patient and then also ensure that there's a proper transition home when the patient's ready to be discharged and to make sure that they have the proper resources available.
1: You know, this is a little bit off topic for this, well, for our podcast in itself, but this role has changed and evolved over the years because I remember as a child when I had stayed in the hospital as an asthmatic, that my main physician, my home physician would come in and see me. And he didn't really know or was aware of what was going on in the hospital. So has this, this uh, role has evolved to today where there is um, full case management of patients?
2: So nowadays with the hospitalist, they essentially take care of everything that happens on the inpatient side and coordinate everything and then communicate back to the primary care physician. Right. So then when the patient gets discharged, the primary care t- physician will take over and pick up care from there, okay. but while they're in the hospital, the hospitalist oversees everything,
0: Essentially, okay.
1: That makes sense, and, and it leads me to my next question for you. I've, I've talked with other physicians and staff members with healthcare partners about continuity of care. Can you please describe what this means from a hospitalist perspective?
2: From the hospital's perspective, I think continuative care means ensuring that the patient has a seamless transition of care that ensures the patient is completely set up with all the resources needed to improve their experience and outcomes after they're discharged. And one of the advantages of being in a large medical group is the ability to provide coordinated care from different providers and disciplines upon discharge.
1: And I know that there are many, many resources available. I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about those after a patient is discharged, there can be some confusion about what's next for the patient, how they can get follow-up care, how can they make sure they don't relapse or re-injure themselves, whatever the reason was for them to be hospitalized. Can you tell us about the multitude of resources available through healthcare partners?
2: Sure. So patients often have a lot of stress when they're being discharged from the hospital because they think no one's going to be seeing me or no one's going to be taking care of me. But Besides follow-up appointments with the primary care physician or specialist, there's a lot of options that we have available that we can provide to our patients that include home health and nursing care, wound care. If they've had surgery, it could be care of any surgical wounds or drains. We can arrange physical therapy or occupational therapy or even speech therapy, or if the patient's still very sick and requires a little bit more intense therapy, they could be transitioned to a skilled nursing facility or a subacute or acute rehab where they can continue their recovery process. For patients that are a little bit more chronically ill, say they're needing to be on a ventilator or they're needing persistent dialysis, we can transition those patients to a long-term acute care facility. And then we even have special programs for our higher-risk patients that have a lot of medical issues and are usually older where they can spend a lot more time with a physician that's been trained in dealing with those issues or they can even set up house calls where the physician or nurse practitioner can go to the house and see the patient at home in their own setting.
1: So it's so important, you know, having been in the hospital myself at various times either giving birth or recovering from asthma and asthma attack. That uncertainty is very scary and can impact recovery as well. So it's it's wonderful to hear that these resources and programs are available to patients and for physicians, those uh, staff members that are working closely with patients as well. Dr. Vinugapal, I'm so happy that you're here today to talk with us because you, you have a wealth of information to share. One of the things that I know that has aided you is the team support that is supplied to you for the physicians at Healthcare Partners. Can you tell us a little bit about that support, about that team spirit that is so alive and well at Healthcare Partners?
2: Sure. Team support is very important to me and I think to most physicians because not only is there stress for the patients when they're being discharged, there's stress for the physician because most patients haven't gotten back to 100% as they were before they got sick. So we want to make sure that when they're going home, not only are they ready to go home, but do they have the support they need after getting discharged? And having a dedicated support system to help coordinate that care, including case managers or social workers, it's very important to me because they're going to take care of the patient and follow up on them and make sure that they're looked after and cared for appropriately after discharge so I don't have to stress out about it.
1: Yeah, so, so important. I really appreciate you sharing that. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Vanugapal a little bit about cold and flu season, infectious diseases, cultural competency, and a few more things. We'll be right back.
0: Optum is where you need us. To learn more about employment opportunities in your community, go to OptumCare.com forward slash careers. That's OptumCare.com forward slash careers.
1: So Dr. Vinegapal, I know that you have a special interest and specialty in infectious diseases. How did that come about?
2: <laughs> I think most physicians choose their specialty based on either some past experience or just based on their own personality. I did my medical school training in India, and when wow. I was there, I got to see some unique infections, right? And it was anything from tuberculosis to leprosy to wow. tapeworms. It was super interesting to me. But it was very problematic to that population. And besides all that experience, you know, I would say in general I tend to be inquisitive and pretty detail-oriented, and like to look at the big picture when I'm facing patients and problems. And I think these are characteristics that you'll find in a lot of infectious disease docs. And I think that's the road that led me there.
1: Yeah. Wow. What, what an interesting path, and it's obviously served you well, as as well as with uh, healthcare partners and the patient population that you serve and and healthcare partners serves. As a chair of, now you mentioned that you were chair of the vaccine committee, and we are at the peak of flu season right now, in particular, a rough flu season globally with the onset of coronavirus, COVID-19. Can you give us a little, a few tips for battling the flu, in particular, the recent outbreak of, of what we're seeing now? Although, you know, the symptoms, as we've discussed, seem to be very similar. So it's going to be hard for patients, for those infected to really tell the difference between something that's very serious and pandemic and something that's just common that, that goes around every springtime. Is there any really key tips you can share with us?
2: Sure, so both flu and COVID-19 or this novel coronavirus infection that's currently going around, both of them are respiratory viral illnesses and they're gonna have very similar symptoms which might include fever, cough, or shortness of breath. The best way to protect yourself against the flu, and I have to make this plug, is to get your flu shot every year. Now, both of these viruses typically spread when people are sick and then they're coughing or sneezing and spreading the virus out in droplets. So for both of them, the best way to prevent it, besides the flu vaccine with flu, is to make sure you're washing your hands properly, make sure that you are covering up your cough. If you're sick, staying home, so you're not spreading to other people stay away from sick people, don't share any personal items like cups or utensils with people that are sick, and generally just trying to stay healthy.
1: So real quick question from me, the flu virus, any type of flu virus, how long does it typically live on a surface? So a doorknob or a bathroom sink or a a cup like you mentioned? We know it can pass from person to person through the air or from touching each other, but on a hard surface, or a, you know, a regular surface in a home or office or public location, how long does a, the virus typically live on a surface?
2: In general, with respiratory viruses, they can live on environmental services like tabletops or door handles sure. or grocery carts anywhere from hours to days. Oh, wow. So that's why it's really important when you're out and about, just making sure that you're assuming everything's infected and. That's why you need to make sure you're washing your hands properly and not touching your eyes or your mouth or your nose without washing your hands first, because that's one way to introduce the virus into your system.
1: Right. It's so interesting, too. Now that there is this hyper awareness, I realize how much I touch my face. And I've spoken to many people. You realize how much you you brush your hair out of your eyes or you wipe your nose or you touch the corners of your mouth. And it's so vital to remember If you haven't washed your hands, don't do that. So really great advice. Thank you for those tips. What is healthcare partners in particular doing to fight flu and cold season?
2: With regards to the flu, we really make a big effort to vaccinate as many patients as possible. And we try to make it as easy as possible for the patients. So besides being able to go in and get your flu shot during flu season at your physician's office during your regular appointments, they also set up massive flu clinics where people can just come in, get their flu shot, and then be on their way so they don't have to have a prolonged wait for their physician. Or the other things that we do is in some of the sites, we actually have drive-through clinics where the patients come in, they can drive up in their car, not even have to get out of their car, get the shot, and then just be on their way.
1: Oh, great. So um, we'll list in the biography for the show here a website. Where individuals patients and so forth would like to find out more information about how they can learn the different services that healthcare partners provides for um, battling the flu thank you for sharing your expertise on that I'd love to jump into cultural competency now tell me what that means to you
2: I think we need to be aware that everyone is unique and that people from different races or religions or social groups can have their own beliefs and practices particularly when it comes to their own health so To be culturally competent to me means to have the ability to understand that everyone's going to have different beliefs and practices, and that you need to work within that framework to ensure that you deliver healthcare in a way that doesn't compromise their beliefs, and it still allows them to have the best outcome.
1: So important. You know, each of us needs to feel like we're an individual. And if we feel like we're just a number or a chart, we don't have that sense of really being listened to or cared for. So that's a, a very valuable effort put forth by healthcare partners and the physicians on staff. Thank you. I know that especially today, this week, the last month has been really crazy and busy for you. Your expertise has been relied upon in many different ways in particular in regards to the flu and vaccinations necessary testing necessary the changes that you know in our own behavior but in order for you to stay competent professionally you need to fulfill your life personally one of the the key features about healthcare partners that I've discovered and and love learning about and talking to staff members about is is the opportunity to find true professional and personal life balance. And it's in particular very important for individuals like yourself that are being pulled in multiple directions uh, because of your expertise, because of your practice. Not only are you know, are you an expert in infectious diseases, but you also have your own practice seeing patients. So what do you like to do, Dr. Vanugapal, that helps you to find that balance so that when you come back to work, whatever day of the week it is, you've had the opportunity to spend time at home, with friends, with family. What do you do in particular?
2: (laughs) So work-life balance is super important because you need to have that ability to unwind and recharge to be able to come in the next day and and take care of your patients to the best of your ability. So outside of work, I'm married and I have a very young child at home right now. And then I have two dogs. So between the four of them, they take up a lot of my time. Oh. But besides that, I try to stay active by running and working out. And then I have a little bit of a creative side too. So I like to draw and I've actually been trying my my hand at some woodworking recently, which is a new hobby oh, I've been wow. up I'm not very good at, but I'm, I'm trying.
1: Well, you seem like you're uh, the type of person that will pursue something until you're really good at it. So, and having that creative... right brain, left brain opportunity within um, helps you to be even more creative because you can see, strategize how to do something to make it even better. So that's really exciting. I will want to talk to you about that someday too. You have a couple of dogs. Do you have any funny dog stories?
2: I do. So so we, shortly after we got married, I've always wanted a dog and I was finally able to convince my wife to get a dog. But we thought maybe the best thing to do was just to kind of slow our way into it by fostering dogs through a local shelter. Oh, and good. of course, the very first time we did it, we fell in love with the dog. Oh. <laughs> and just, it was this cute little white dog that was already house trained and basically we were like, how could we possibly let this dog go? The dog's so
1: Aww. sweet and
2: just quiet. So, you know, the, they said the condition was, you know, I had to get the dog spayed. Okay. Which was fine. And they made all the arrangements, but the night before actually the day before, the dog had been acting a little bit weird. She was kind of panting a lot and then not really wanting to eat and just hiding. I'm, I didn't really know what was going on because, again, I've never had a dog before. And I had spoke to the shelter a few times and they just reassured me and said, well, you're, you're taking her to the vet tomorrow, so just don't worry about it. They'll, they'll oh. check her out and make sure everything's oh, no. fine. So we said, okay, that's great. But that night, my wife and I were just sitting on the couch and our dog, Shia, was sitting in between us and Suddenly, I looked over and I didn't know what was happening. But then after about a few seconds, I realized she was actually pregnant and she oh, delivered no. a puppy on my couch.
1: Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow! Well, you got two for one in that deal, exactly. right?
2: Exactly.
1: That's definitely a foster fail all the way around. All, the, all
2: way around. the way across the board, right? Yeah.
1: So you have Shia. And then what did you name the other, the puppy? So,
2: So we named her sophia because she oh. was born on our sofa so.
1: <laughs> that's perfect that's perfect and they're and they're good with your uh, your child your
2: yes a little um, boy right yes we have I, we have a little boy who's about six months right now oh. and they they're really good with them sophia the puppy she's almost two years now but oh, yeah. she still gets a little jealous but she's oh. slowly becoming friends with them okay. and they're um i think they're going to be good buddies
1: Good. Well, that sounds like a, a lot of balance happening at your, your house. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I especially I know how busy you are. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you as uh, the guest on our final episode for this first round of six podcasts for the Inside Beat. Really appreciate your time, Dr. Vanugapal. Please take care of yourself and continue to do your good work.
2: It was great talking to you. Thank you for having me. And Don't forget to get your flu shot and wash your hands.
1: (laughs) Perfect. Thanks.
2: Take care.
0: Thanks for tuning in to The Inside Beat, an Optum California podcast. Be sure to subscribe to receive notifications when new episodes are released and never miss a beat.